so the truth is I'm deeply loved. Um, I have more worth than I can ever imagine. And again, we tend to stop there hoping that that's going to trump our experience. Hmm. And inevitably when it doesn't, now we're left with, okay, what's my problem? Because I know this is true, but I'm not experiencing this. Or what's God's problem? Hmm. This must not be true. Welcome to the Monday Morning Phone Call Podcast. Every preacher knows when they're teetering on the edge of a topic that will result in receiving a phone call on Monday morning. Instead of backing away, this podcast exists to work through these polarizing ideas and spark conversation. This season, we're learning what it means to pull apart Christian beliefs and examine your faith in a process called deconstruction. We'll cover the most questioned topics within Christianity in hopes that it will help all of us better understand what we believe. Well, welcome to another episode of the Monday Morning Phone Call Podcast. Uh, we are really excited because to, today we are wrapping up our series on deconstruction. Uh, we've been going over the last uh, number of weeks talking about different issues that are, are causing people to go through deconstruction, maybe wounds that they've had uh, around church and spirituality. And so Alyssa is joining us again, um, as always. Hey, Alyssa. It's hey, good to Paul. be with you. Good to be with you, too. And we also uh, have today a special guest, Mark LaFleur, uh, who's been a longtime member of Waterstone and is also a mental health professional. He's been helping people walk through uh, journeys of faith for a long time. And uh, we're really excited to have you today, Mark. So, Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah, we're excited. Um, so just to, to kind of recap a little bit, we have been talking through deconstruction and uh, the role that the, the journey of faith doubt plays in deconstruction. We've talked about things like purity culture, patriarchy, atonement, um, all of the, the kind of hot topics that, that people are, are really wrestling with, things that they think um, or that, that they were taught and how that lines up with the faith that they're experiencing now. Um, so Alyssa, as we kind of dive into this conversation um, and we're wrapping up today, any anywhere that you are excited about going today? Yeah, I am really excited um, to hopefully get Mark's perspective on how to walk alongside someone who's deconstructing, as well as if you're in the throes of deconstructing, how what um, support can you seek or give to yourself? Um, I'm hoping that we can just really have practical boots on the ground application today. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of our hopes throughout this whole series has been providing space for hopefully healing conversations yeah. for people. Um, so Mark, maybe to start, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what your experience is with the world of deconstruction? Yeah. Um, in my profession, uh, I see a lot of different people. Most of the people that come in are Christians. And in regards to people coming in for deconstruction or with that, it's usually people who have been in the church their whole lives. Newer Christians uh, that I see don't tend to, to be in that camp. Um, the uh, categories that I see it it's, it's, it's usually um, people who have always, most of their lives, been in church. They've either been hurt directly by the church mm-hmm. or they've seen the church be hurtful. Um, and then there's another category of people where it's just, it's kind of in vogue to uh, deconstruct. So those are kind of the categories. Usually when people come in, there are some people that come in specifically for that. Usually it's other uh, issues that come up, but this issue comes up a lot when that when that takes place. So those are some of the categories that I work with and that I see. Would you say that you've seen, to your point of being in vogue, would you say that you've seen deconstruction 
happening more recently since, I mean, you've been in the field for 20, 20 years. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I don't know if I can put my finger on it, mm-hmm. but there seems like a difference between the words doubting and deconstruction. Okay. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. And I'm trying to even put that together. As a here. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, for me, when I hear doubting, it's not, there's more of a, it's more part of the journey mm-hmm. type of thing. When I hear deconstructing, it, there's a more of an abruptness. Neither one is right or wrong, um, but doubting feels, I, I, I think of shepherding. It mm-hmm. just kind of feels like more of a part of the journey. But yeah, the deconstruction is like, it's abrupt. There's a definite pull away. Um, and again, that has its place, but th- they feel a little different yeah. for me. Yeah, it's fair. One of the things that, that we've kind of talked about is that oftentimes when you enter a season of doubt, it's, it's not necessarily a choice. It's it's an experience you mm-hmm. have where faith and, and life don't really match up. And you, right. you're, you're somehow, your view of God is feels irreconcilable with what you're experiencing. Right. Um, and deconstruction uh, feels like the kind of next step of that. Like I, I would say most people don't choose to deconstruct, but in these seasons of doubt, when they kind of wake up to it, it, it leads to an exploration of more things where they kind of start tearing down different ideas about right. the faith. Um, and so in your experience, uh, have you seen, like there, there's maybe a, a passive deconstruction and an active deconstruction? We say that's a, a comfortable way to maybe describe what's happening to some people? Yeah, um, I've never thought of it like that. But yeah, there's, on the active side, and that's probably, and maybe that's a part of which the doubt and deconstructive part comes in. But with the active side, I don't see a lot of people, um, no, maybe I should take that back. More of the active, when I think of active, there's more of a sense of aggressive mm-hmm. or trauma behind it. Mm. So, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely an anger. There's definitely um, frustration towards, you know, whatever the church has done to them or to somebody else. Um, uh, more of the passive. Um, yeah, I would have to think about that. That's mm-hmm. a good question. But yeah, I, I see more of the active. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's that's helpful. And how would you say, so as you're walking through, you know, you talked about doubt and deconstruction. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing that do to people's faith? Is it leading um, to a loss of faith or deeper faith or kind of somewhere in between? You know, it's somewhere in between, but a lot of times it leads more towards loss of faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, one, it might be because I don't see people throughout the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, which would be a great business model, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> Honestly, maybe we all should yeah. see counselors for our whole lives. That sounds healthy. Um, but not everybody's trauma gets resolved in that. And so, um, you, you know, to kind of go back to what we were talking about, you know, we've got we've got church trauma on top of past trauma, mm. and some of the past trauma can be church trauma as well. Um, so it can get it can get messy because the main thought can be this is about my relationship with God or this is about God, and there actually is an element about that, but there's also past traumas that are getting mm. impacted by that as well. Um, 
it is really hard to kind of go back to what you're saying. It's really hard to go, okay, this is what's going on in the world, and there's a good God out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know any believer that's honest that can take a look out in the world and go, God, what what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of people I help wrestle uh, with them through that, but I, I don't often see a lot of people just land, you know, at, at a deeper faith, at least in that part of the journey uh, that I get to see them with. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of our hearts for having some conversations because I think one of the things I see so often as a pastor as I talk to people deconstructing is that it seems like the church has, has not really created space for those conversations. And so right. if you have hurt uh, from the church, then some churches really don't want to hear about that and right. they kind of gloss over it or pass over it or say, you know, that's just some people and can diminish it. Um, so I think one of our hopes is to, to create space for the church to, to step into some of those places and mm-hmm. say, uh, the hurt is valid. There's, there's pain there. Um, and what do you kind of see with some of that? Like, is that kind of a, a similar experience for you that, that the church hasn't made space for, for people? Oh yeah. Um, it definitely hasn't made space, it, it, and it's hard because I I, I kind of see it both ends. Yes, the, the, I would say, in some ways, like the church is the parent, mm. okay, and everybody, not just people deconstructive, is more like the child. But what we do, and we all do this, is we will project things onto the church. Mm. Um, that are globalized, that aren't necessarily specific. Mm -hmm. And so our job as the body is, you know, we're, we're trying to love people with truth and love. So, but I do think there's a responsibility on the people deconstructing on how they bring it up. Mm -hmm. Because on the one hand, you know, the church isn't listening, but on the other hand, the deconstructive people aren't open for a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so when this happens, both just kind of pound each other. The church isn't listening a lot of times. The deconstructors aren't listening. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just this ongoing trauma stuff getting stirred up for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So how could we create an environment for both parties to listen? What would that look like? Well, it would look like one, both parties wanting to have that conversation. Um, so I think initially what it would need to be, uh, you know, somebody that's really in the throes of deconstruction most likely aren't even going to come to church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my experience was different. I did come to church. Um, but, yeah, I think things like the podcast and opening these things up with the sermon series, that is a great start. I think another thing that could be helpful is uh, maybe from time to time just to have a group and just have a a session where people can just kind of get stuff off their back. And I think the church has often gone quick to truth as opposed to validation and understanding. So if we're going to um, land anywhere, we need to marinate in the validation a lot. Yeah. If the church is, if people are going to actually 
be able to listen, we've got to just listen, 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 listen. Our whole focus has just been truth, truth, truth. And that's for ourselves and others. If I can just truth myself to death, that experience is going to change. My life is going to change. So I need to truth these people to death. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the first place is just listening, mm -hmm. just validating. Well, and I think um, to your point of truth, I think that often happens with like the LGBTQ conversation. Like I think yes. there's obviously been a lot of deconstruction about that. Yes. And that people in the church feel this need that they're like, oh, I have to tell you what I think. Mm -hmm. And what's so funny <laughs> is that it's like there is no question right. where the church as a whole lands on that issue. Right. You know, that it's like you f feeling this compulsive need to share where you're at yes. is actually detrimental yes. and erosive yes. in this relationship because this person already holds all of your like where you come from right. um and so you probably don't need to share that in that moment that it is a way better um process to come and to just listen yes. and that you'll actually surprise people if you if you come with that posture yes no i i i completely agree um i uh that always reminds me of zacchaeus we don't know what took place, but my guess is he wasn't going, you know, you're really being bad for this tax collector. Right. I think he just delighted him. I think he just listened to him and boom, that was the shift. The church is pretty well known for its its stances on things, judgment for things, but the, the posture of validation that we see from Jesus, like people like Zacchaeus is a posture of seemingly pretty open to where people are. Like it, Jesus doesn't yes, seem like he's really good, out yeah. to like make converts and tell people where they're wrong and where he's right. 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 He seems really interested in loving people where they are and trusting that that process of love and yes. acceptance will actually be what brings them to. And truth is a part of that at some point, but that's all often the first step we take. Right. And we lead with that in the dance and it, it goes off the rails pretty quick. Right. Yeah. That, that goes right back. Um, where is it that says when Christ said, uh, I did not come to judge. I came to save. Yeah. There's a judgment time later, yep. but it's not now and it's not us. Yeah, totally. And, you know, with what I was talking about, just the division, it's like we get so offended at things that other people that are doing that we that we see things differently. And it's like, what are we expecting? And right. these are the exact people that Christ came back for. Right. You know, these these are image bearers. If we can see these people as image bearers, just like us, that can shift things. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, all of the trying to prove, trying to say this is what's true, you shouldn't be doing that. That's just welcome to creating more deconstruction. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because we're just we're just doing the exact thing that they're frustrated with. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> this morning on the way in, I stopped at Starbucks and got drinking the barista there. Um, had a bunch of pens. You know how the baristas can, can mm -hmm. kind of like share their personality. Um, and well, a lot of them were, were pride or uh, pronouns. And I just thought, and there's there's two ways a Christian could interact in this this space. And there's probably more, but it seems like there's kind of two to, to caricature. One is tell the person their pronouns are wrong or they shouldn't have pronouns on their thing because it's right. offensive to them or just like engage with them as a normal person and treat them as an image bearer of God. Yes. And I think so many times we see culture and to your point, 
people who aren't believers or who have walked away from the church and we feel like it's our job to tell them what the Christian ethic is. <laughs> Why would they live according to that when they don't believe in Jesus or follow right. him? Right. Um, and so when we place those expectations and, and honestly sometimes create power dynamics, I think that's what a lot of people react to is, is this kind of culture making where we try to force people to, to be followers of Jesus when they haven't had an encounter with him. Right. Oh, and the, the irony of it is, would you want a Christian doing that to you? No. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Thanksgiving. You know, you're gluttony right now. I need to confront you. because Okay, this I is... feel personally attacked in this moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Microaggression. Right um, yeah, we don't want that for ourselves, no. but we feel like, okay, it's my job mm-hmm. to correct culture. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's what a great gift in just saying thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. One, we're also very selective about which truths we do, right? That yeah. we're not, you know, we're going to kind of pick those things that we can all rally behind, but it's right. not about gluttony or pride or, you know, kind of this, um, you know, toxic charisma that it's like, oh, yes. we're going to, we're not going to speak against those things in our leaders, but we're going to kind of pick these things that we can rally behind yes. um, all together. Yes. So we're even selective about that, which yep. from the outside doesn't doesn't feel great. Um, and I think that kind of leads me to the next thought of even if like we, me as an individual has not caused harm to a a person who's deconstructing, Mm -hmm. like there has been like big C church trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and so how do we as a church move forward to, um, to address this and engage it? Well, I think the first part is we need to realize that we've created this. Um, and yes, there's the big C and there's the little C, you know, it, have we done these huge atrocities, you know, here in this Mm. room? No, but we do little atrocities, you know, just as a human. Um, so I think taking ownership, um, taking ownership obviously for us, but also taking ownership for the church and going, It has been a mess. It's been horrific, some of the things that have been done. I think that's the first place, you know, when I'm working with people. You know, I I was a client the other day. um, She had some boundaries with family members. They were really strong. And she said, you know, these things need to take place in order for me to be in contact with you. Well, they started doing some things that were, you could clearly see it was an attempt but I was like, okay, what would, I asked her, what would be um, a sign that this person is really trying to build trust? And she said, if he would just take ownership. Mm-hmm. That's the first step. So, you know, it, there's, a, there's a bridge between every relationship. There's a bridge with the church, and the church has burned that bridge down. Um, the first step to re building that is its ownership Mm. its ownership that's really good yeah and i I think you can even feel how validating that could be for someone if the church and i so many times with on twitter and interactions i see pastors saying yeah 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 yeah, okay but it's not all bad or it's it's the kind of like quick spiritual pivot to the church is actually good in these areas and that actually doesn't build trust. I, I think the attempt is noble because I think you're trying to say like, hey, there's some good things and, and the, the thought is yes. that will build trust. But without the validation of, of what the hurt is, people actually don't want to hear the, 
that right. what's good. Right. And you know, I, I, I fall into that temptation as well. Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. And, and there's true. There's obviously, yeah, there's a ton of good that the church has done. Um, but it, it, look at it like this. Um, let's say there is an abusive parent, child grows up, adult confronts the parent and the parent goes, yeah, that was bad. But look at all these other places that I loved you well. Right. And it's like, okay, this is not helpful. Yeah. This is just making it worse. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So in this kind of conversation, what, and as you, you're working with people, what are some of the, the key places you see um, spiritual trauma, hurt, ways that the church has, has uh, kind of caused harm? What are, what are people, what, I guess for lack of a better term, what's pushing people towards some of this deconstruction? Um, yeah. Um, past experience, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the people that I work with, they had like hands-on abuse mm-hmm. within the church, um, experience of what their s- people are seeing. So again, there's more like, here's this event that took place, mm-hmm. you know, um, with the Southern Baptist Convention. Here's this thing, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's past stuff, there's present stuff, but it's also, um, Regardless if, if those things, what which one of those are or both, um, personal trauma mm. gets all tangled up mm. in the midst of that. Yeah. So. Which I think one of the maybe hardest things for me, uh, like as a pastor, is that in that space, um, the, the church is supposed to be the place of healing for people that have experienced trauma in their home or in the world or wherever. And then to see the church actually compounding or yeah. inflicting more harm. Yep. Um, one, I understand why some people would walk away. But two, it, it's just heartbreaking that that was not the heart of Jesus. He came to heal right. and save and seek, um, you know, it, to heal the sick and, right. and hurting. Well, I think that's that goes to that place of that's a place where we can all take ownership of that. Um, because when people are deconstructing in their anger, we take it on personal and so there's there's personal trauma that's going on with them there's personal trauma that's going on with us that's getting Mm. triggered and so we've just kind of got this this fight thing going um so you know when we're triggered we go to one of three places our nervous system will take us to fight flight or freeze Mm. and we tend to think okay it's just these deconstructive people that are getting triggered we're getting triggered just as much Uh on on both ends so this is we're really doing the same thing to both so and this might be a bad joke but it feels like the church is really good or like people inside the church are really good at the fight posture (laughs) (laughs) for some reason it feels like when christians get triggered they go to fight (laughs) they go to fight well that's interesting because that's based out of fear Mm -hmm. you know anger is a protective emotion so when this comes up guess what we feel threatened what do we do when we feel threatened? You know, we go to fight, flight, or freeze, but the church in whole, at least at least what we see yeah, in, the, in the, the press is fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we, can you imagine what it'd be like if we didn't feel threatened by it? Yeah. Why do you feel like that is? Like, why is it that when people are even just coming with different ideas than ours, and we know this very big God that, created all the things and does all the, like, why is that, that people having questions about that threatens us? Well, 
we all like to be in control. Mm-hmm. And fear, control is all about fear. And I think on some level, well, I think Jesus was the only one who had 100% faith. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it pokes at those different places within us. And we live in such a world that we were never created to be in. There is so lack of structure and everything. Mm. So we want our pillars. And so when those pillars are starting to shake, we just hold on for dear life. Mm. And we will hold on, we will clamp down, we will fight for those things. As opposed to going, this world is chaos. Mm. And I'm allowed to experience this chaos with this other person. As opposed to, my world's in chaos and I've got to just hold on for dear life. I think that's a lot of what's what's going on. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially if the narrative in the church is that doubt does lead to loss of faith or that you can't ask questions because questions are dangerous. Like you can hear the kind of fear tactics, but it, it's a fear of people walking away from the faith if they start questioning things like why is a good God allow suffering or why does a story like Noah happen? I feel like I've brought that up in every episode, but right, it causes these questions. And if the church says, no, 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 don't go there. Um, then for people who are questioning, it actually looks like the, the pillar in the church isn't strong enough. Like the faith of Christianity right. isn't strong enough to, right. to deal with real world issues because right. they're told, don't, don't look at those. Don't pay attention to that. Just ignore that. Right. Um, and instead of leaning into those spaces. Well, and I don't think we know what to do with that. Yeah. You know, somebody brings that up. I don't know what to do with that. So I'm going to clamp on and I'm going to try to attack it with truth. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, to your point, uh, a lot of clients will like, I feel so bad because I'm not having faith in this. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad. I think God's upset with me because of this or this, this. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't doubt. Yeah. I should have faith and therefore I would be, you know, whatever. Yeah. So part of my work is, no, let's let's engage with that doubt. Yeah. Let's engage that fear. Let's engage with that anger. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe part of the trick to the question you asked earlier, Alyssa, right? And we've kind of talked about that throughout this, this season. I know you've said it, but in the faith journey, doubt is actually what leads to, to deeper faith because you have to engage with those things. Um, and when you don't, it often kind of causes a, an unraveling of faith. I agree. <laughs> well, that's interesting to say, you know, it, that would make sense because if we're not allowed to doubt, so here's one side of the pendulum. The only other place is the other side of the pendulum. Yes. And so it's like, you can't doubt, I'm completely doubting. Yeah. You know, we, we have room for this in-between land, totally. which is where we need to have room for. Yeah, and it it feels like on, on the other side of the pendulum where people just fully embrace doubt, but in more of the deconstructive, like some of the, the leaders of the deconstruction community that I see, it, it's a little less doubt and a little more like, I'm going to actively chop at these pillars and, and tear the house down without any real desire to rebuild or reconstruct. We're just going to demo everything and then kind of sit in that. Um, But if that's the only place that's welcoming the questions of doubt, then of course you're going to go to that space. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's part of where um, the deconstructive can go awry. Mm -hmm. Now I, I don't say it awry in the sense of there being bad, but when the focus is that and there's this all-encompassing anger and it's, it's not just at this took place, it's that the entire church is bad, the, all of Christianity is bad. They're trying to resolve an internal hurt with an external. And so, again, when we're hurting, we'll go to fight, flight, or freeze in those moments. And then that tends to be kind of like the stereotypical with the deconstruction. It is 
external, it's fight, and it's just an anger that just keeps churning and churning. And the reason why it keeps churning and churning and that never gets, uh, there's never a sense of peace is because we're off target. Mm. The heart needs to be addressed and we're abandoning our heart. And, and, and the church is doing this too. When they, when we get all bent out of shape and we get frustrated and we're trying to prove these, we're doing the exact same thing. There's an external focus, but there's an internal hurt. And so when that takes place, there's zero peace. Mm. There's zero peace. You know, uh, again, a lot of this, uh, the deconstructive that you see or hear about or even in the progressive movement, the focus is external. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of judgment towards the church. Now, we de- there's a lot of judgment that we deserve. But if it just stays there, the heart's not healing. Mm-hmm. There's zero peace. When you can't live in that, um, to use the metaphor, like pillarless place for very long i mean i think people like at least and i know that i am a structure person and Mm -hmm. i will i will own that that i i thrive in boundaries and structure but i think Mm -hmm. that that is just people in general that you Mm -hmm. need to have um solid ground under you and i i I don't think that you can live in that pillarless place and so you have to you have to put something up you have to construct something um and otherwise you won't have peace yeah yeah, I, I feel like I've seen that in a number of friends who, um, as I have conversations with them and they've they've kind of walked away from faith and entered the, the deconstruction space, um, there's a lack of happiness or, or joy or, or, to your point, peace, I think. There's this kind of unsettled, they've let go of one worldview that was kind of a pillar, but they, they haven't figured out what to grab onto after that. And so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll have friends who they grab onto like a political ideology and so they say now i'm a marxist and that's their identity or you know they they uh, grab onto astrology or you know all these different things that just grasping for something that can can provide some sort of solid foundation to begin rebuilding something um but yeah oftentimes it, it's it's grasping at straws and it doesn't feel like it's actually leading to security right. and safety and peace that they're looking for right and i think part of that peace comes from the acceptance that we were made for structure. We mm. were created for a firm pillar. And that's not our experience. Yeah. You know, um, I, I like to tell my clients, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is fully in us. But he doesn't promise you're going to feel me all the time. Yeah. Matter of fact, I feel like we feel, have a, a, an experience of lack more than a full. And God the Father He's not here. Mm-hmm. So there's this huge chasm. But Christianity has sold us a bill of goods of you can bring that, you know, that experience that we're always meant to have with God the Father now. And when we don't experience that, but we think we're supposed to experience it, that's when we start clinging on. Yeah. So a big part of this is living in the tension of God is my pillar. And today my experience is that I don't have any foundation. Maybe I do. So it's the tension of here's my experience and here's what's true. You know, you've probably heard people say, well, I, I know these things in my head. I can't experience in my heart. Part of the reason is that is because we're not allowing for the lack of experience in our heart. Yeah. We're trying to get the, the truth, the rational part to trump uh, the experience part. So part of it is we have told people you can have this solid, solid, firm foundation that you can experience. There's times of that. Yeah. It's like, you know, if somebody would tell you before you got married, you can have a marriage that is completely fulfilling. Well, you know, a year or maybe a day into <laughs> marriage, you're like, well, they sold me a little high on right. that. Yeah. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. And so when it's we true. think 
that this tension shouldn't be there, we cling. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> in that space, uh, in, the, in, you know, kind of talking about how s- some of our, ex- our focus can be external rather than internal, we can stay in this space of anger and cynicism and, and frustration. I think even uh, some people, if they're honest, who are still in the church are experiencing that but aren't quite sure what to do with it. Mm-hmm. How do we move past some of those places, and maybe not past like bypassing, but but pass through um, some of those places to find healing? What, what does some of the, that process look like for people? Uh, within the church? Or yeah, just... or deconstruction. Yeah, either uh, people who are outside. Because um, I, I think you, the point you made sorry to clarify, is, is uh, both people can go to fight or flight because they're right. trying to hold on to. Uh, and so anger is a, a defense mechanism because of the lack of security, safety, or peace they're feeling. So how do, how do we move through those spaces right. to, to find healing? Well, you first have to learn how to come back and engage with your own heart. Um, yes, you know, for the people I work with, I will validate, validate, and validate. And I'll also go, okay, when your mind is just churning and you are laser focused on something else and you can't stop thinking, you're way off target. Mm-hmm. It's in those moments you're abandoning your heart. There's a hurt in your heart, but you're abandoning it to this other thing. The work is to realize that and to come back to the heart and begin engaging with the heart differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person has to want that, has to be able to see that. And th- that takes time. But this, this goes exact, This goes right back to church because a lot of times we don't think anything's going on with me. We have the truth, and we don't see that we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so for us, there needs to be a sense of humility and going, I'm fo- focusing externally. Maybe there's a deeper hurt in my heart that I'm even aware of, mm. and I need to start tending to my own heart. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there has to be acknowledgement of and a validation of the pain. But if there's no movement back to, I've got to tend to my own heart, I've got to care for myself in the midst of this, then we're just kind of pumping out acid. Yeah. So what does that look like to tend to your own heart? And, um, yeah, yeah, can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like to see it as, like, there's this little person in us and this adult person in us and we'll we'll do one of three harmful things to that little one um let's say we're not you're not feeling lovable okay one of the things the adult will do is come down to that little one's level and just really reinforce that so that would be like if uh, when one of my kids was little, they, they came to me crying, Daddy, I don't feel lovable. And I'd put them on my lap, and I'd start rocking back and forth, and I'd start crying their tears and go, oh, honey, you're right, you're not. So just really reinforcing that or enabling that. One of the other things that the uh, adult will do is go up to the adult place and abuse. Mm-hmm. What the heck is your problem? Why are you still struggling with this? You know, nah, this is the judgment on you, whatever. Or one of the things that will happen is the adult will abandon. And that's when we get focused on an external thing. We can't stop thinking about it. All we're doing is churning about that. There's a laser pinpointedness about that. Mm-hmm. So part of the work is how do we come back to that little one or to our heart and be a good parent? Um, and I call this a four-pronged conversation. I'll jump into it really quickly. That's but great. Yeah. Um, The first part is validation. If we don't validate our experience, we judge it. I mean, that's all we got. 
So we have to begin going, it makes sense why. It makes sense why when somebody who is wrestling with the faith, why that feels threatening. Now, there's different reasons. There's the present moment thing, but again, here goes a place of we got to know our story. We got to know our past. When those type of things happen, there's, there's a reason why we're responding the way this. So in regards to the fight, flight, or freeze, um, when I am in any context, when somebody is more aggressive towards me, I go to freeze. My brain locks up and it's like it's saying, I'm out of here. Some people go to fight that. And again, some people are like, I'm literally out of here. Um, so there has to be an acceptance on some level of, okay, this is part of how I'm wired when stress comes. But I also have a past. And I, I have been I modeled and experienced what it's like to lock up. So it makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot. And let's go with the lovable part. It makes a lot of sense why I don't feel loved. And again, for most of us, to some degree, we can go back and make evidence of that. And in the present moment, it makes sense because my partner did this. It makes sense because mm-hmm. my friend did this. So again, the, um, the point of insight is to create understanding and compassion for ourselves. Okay? And so this bleeds into how do we care for other people as well. So... Validation. The second part is allowance. If we don't allow for difficult things in our life, we make it worse. Let's, let's say not feeling loved, or let's say a friend betrays us. Okay. That is really difficult. But if that's not allowed to be our experience, we've added another layer of difficulty. Now we're living in the land of devastation. So validation, it makes sense why that really hurt when my friend did this allowance. I'm allowed to experience being rejected. Now, when we begin to allow for those things, it hurts. It hurts. But if we don't, it consumes. It's a good distinction. And so, yeah, so we got the the validation, we got the allowance. um, And then the third part is encouragement. So we're literally encouraging ourselves, you know, okay, I'm going to make it through today. I'm going to make it through today. I'm really proud of myself for this. Um, You've probably all heard some of the studies, you know, for every negative comment, we need 15 positive comments. (laughs) We never get that 15. We never get that 15. We're lucky if we get one. Um, So we, we need encouragement from other people, but there's not one person that we need it from one specific person, but we, we need it from ourselves. If we're not encouraging ourselves, we're not going to be able to actually hold on to the encouragement that other people get. So the fourth part is truth. Okay. And again, us Christians, we're famous for just going to truth. <laughs> right. I'm we just going to skip the there. first three parts. <laughs> skip the first three parts. I'm just going to stay there, stay there, stay yeah. there, hoping <clears throat> that it's going to trump our experience. But so the truth is I'm deeply loved. Um, I have more worth than I can ever imagine. And again, we tend to stop there hoping that that's going to trump our experience. Mm. And inevitably, when it doesn't, now we're left with, okay, what's my problem? Because I know this is true, but I'm not experiencing it as true. Or what's God's problem? Mm. This must not be true. So it's a tension of going, okay, 
God deeply loves me, and it makes sense why I'm not experiencing that right now. Hmm. And I find it helpful to go, okay, my experience is not being loved by God. I find it helpful to just kind of crack the door open to truth. But maybe I am. Mm -hmm. And even working with people that are in different places, man, that makes so much sense why I experienced that. I'm wondering if it's possible that God does love you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's possible. We like to go through the front door and just beat people over with God right. loves you, God loves you, or this way and say, maybe. Yeah. Maybe he does. So when there's a heightened focus external, we've got to start tending towards our own heart. Um, so I have found this process to be a helpful thing, and, and it's it's something you got to practice and practice. Yeah. You know, you just it start like this, it feels robotic. <laughs> you know, you're, you're completely shifting up the way that you're talking to yourself. Um, so it, it just, it takes time for it to, to begin to experience it for yourself. So, yeah, I feel like that, that's exceptional. And I, I feel like to your point, the church does, we just try to go through the front door and, and skip past the validation and the allowance and, and encouragement. Um, and I wonder what that would look like to walk through someone with those spaces, help give voice to that as the church and, um, well, and to that, um, we tend to, again, the, sticking with the validation, um, just really marinating in that land. Mm -hmm. And then at some point when there's some buy-in, asking to be invited into, I've got some thoughts on that. Do you mind if I share? Mm -hmm. um, we don't do that very well. <laughs> yeah. We go, I got some thoughts. <laughs> right? And I'm going to tell you all of them. Whether you want or not. If we ask and somebody opens the door, there's an automatic softening. Mm -hmm. And I would say, let's stick more towards, I wonder if it's possible, as opposed to, this is what happened, this is what's true. Mm -hmm. People will slam that too. I wonder if it's possible. And here's the thing, ultimately, we don't even know if it's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I believe, I'm about 80-20, I believe that when I die, I'm going to be with the Father. Do I know that? I don't. Mm. I don't. But we go to people in regards to this is exactly what's going on. And part of what's going on for them is they've got the 20% that they're actually scared about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to commit, convince themselves. Yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you say, like being vulnerable and saying that because I don't think that people... Um, in the church um, or in, you know, working with deconstruction, maybe feel the freedom to just, to say that. Um, and almost feel like I can, I know for myself, I feel this pressure because I work at a church that I have it all together, that it's like anyone could ask me anything and I'm supposed to be able to know the verse and, and right. feel completely firm on all of these right. foundations. And a lot of times I, I don't, you know, and I think that it's, felt really tricky trying to deconstruct being so in it because it almost doesn't feel right. allowed. And so I can imagine to your point of people in deconstruction, not going to church because it, um, a lot of times it feels like everything has to be okay here. We have all right. of these before and after stories. We don't right. have like in the midst stories, right. um, of people working through those things. Well, and to that point, you know, people will say, okay, why did this happen? Or look at all the atrocities of the old Testament. What do you make of that? I'm like, 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That is freeing for them. Yeah, that's a powerful mm-hmm. phrase. It's freeing for them because I don't know. I look at uh, the way that I, at least for now, kind of make sense of all what took place in the Old Testament is like, okay, I buy into Jesus. Jesus bought into the, all that kind of stuff. God, I'm going to let you, I'm going to try to trust you that somehow you were sovereign and all of that. But if somebody came to me, and I think about that a lot, okay, what would I say if this, I would say, yeah, I don't know. I, I struggle with that too. And you, you almost have to, because I think one of the problems the church has gotten into is so many times we try to answer that question. Yes. And it doesn't actually satisfy. And and so then it just leads to more questions or to the belief, well, the church doesn't actually have the answers. Um, whereas if we're honest about that and say, I don't know, it's it's a gray area. We're, we're still wrestling. People have debated that for 2,000 years. Yes. That actually opens the door to welcoming the space to say you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to be like this perfect um, put together follower of Jesus. It actually frees people up to say, man, this this is a challenge. This is a journey. We're learning as we go. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think saying that we have all the answers actually really minimizes who God is. Oh, totally. Because it takes out this entire mystery mm-hmm. piece, of which I think is actually really mm-hmm. foundational. Yeah. Um, that when you were talking about, and I made an acronym. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> but I like for me, I was like, as I was like, okay, validation, allowance, encouragement, truth, VEAT. So I'm like going to say that to myself in my head. Um, so you don't I have to it. like say that I, when you tell this to clients, you don't have to say that I came up with it. But because it turns out you mostly did. I just picked out some letters. Um, but when you were talking about that, I was thinking about like the truth piece of when God showed himself to Moses that he said, you need to go behind the rock because this is too much. And so just like how it is so important that like truth is so, um, powerful and then it is not helpful to anyone to beat them over the head with it that because it is so like if people are and and not that deconstruction is the dark but like even opening the door a little bit like that can be blinding to someone and it's actually not helpful to like swing it open and say like ah like you know and their poor little pupils like they're they're not gonna that's not a positive experience for them you know um to kind of like how can i show you enough to open it a little bit so you can see this room and and to feel comfortable with your surroundings and like then we can kind of talk more and, and figure that out. Yeah. Um, but we need to kind of meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually really what's way more helpful. Well, and to go with that, you know, the the first part is the validating and just the kindness. And that's that's like walking up to the door handle and going, can I can I start turning that? Yeah. Um, but you're right. We we tend to bust that door down, um, <laughs> break the lock and just yeah. break the lock. <laughs> and that's where the church needs to look internally and going. What's causing me to yeah. break this down? Because yeah. we just stick with that external. We mm-hmm. abandon our own hearts. It's about this. It's about this. It's about this. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It makes me think of Jesus' ministry, too, and, and how many times he told truth. Uh, in like, it's always confusing to me when I look at the parables and everybody's like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, Jesus is, it sounds like he's speaking in code, but I wonder if it's getting at this idea of Jesus's opening the door to truth in digestible ways by, by sharing stories, but you have to kind of look at it, right? And a it's, nice limerick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just like breaking down, like, you know, you think of the, the parable of the lost sheep. He's not just saying like God's ferocious level, like, it, but he tells the story of a shepherd who looks for a sheep that's lost as a reflection of who God is. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's, he's almost like hinting 
at the truth so that we can discover it as we like pursue him as opposed to showing up on the scene and just like knocking people's faces off with the power and might of God. Right. Um, but God has contained right. himself in this person of love and generosity and grace so that people can do what Moses couldn't and, and look at the face of God. Um, which is a cool, like, it, what if the church leaned into that? Like, what if we tried to embody, I don't know, crazy Jesus what? <laughs> and, and tried to do that for people? Um, yeah, but I think you're right. It takes, because we're not Jesus, um, takes reflection on, on those shortcomings and why that's hard for us or what's triggered within ourselves um, that keeps us from, from going to those spaces. Well, and even with that, you know, you, the thought came to mind is we're so clinging this truth and we're not clinging to Christ. Yeah. Um, this is more of the focus as opposed to yeah. just seeing our own desperation. Yeah, that's a really good point because it is easier to put God in a box and have truth statements or truth like um, narratives than it is to cling to the person of Christ who honestly sometimes confuses us, feels a little gray, feels like, man, why did he do it this way? Um, yeah. Yeah, but that's, we're not called to just pursue truth. We're called to follow Christ. Yes. And and, um, and we sometimes miss that, I think. Even yeah. in our discipleship models where it's a transfer of information, we just say know all the right answers mm-hmm. and instead of know a person. Yep. Yeah. And that goes back to Zacchaeus, you know. I don't think Jesus truthed him at all. Yeah. But his truth was from just his love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great, great thing. So how do we love people like Christ did? I feel like that's, you know, as we're talking, that's what it really comes down to mm-hmm. um, is how do we how do we love people that way? Um, well, obviously, there's a ton of answers for that, but this is some of the things that I try to do and talk to my clients about is because a, a lot of them from the Christian perspective are like, I'm not doing anything big. Know, to love God or whatever because you know we we create these structures this is what it looks like it, it has to be this big thing or whatever and we talk about you know you had mentioned the barista give a nice tip smile at them tell them thank you um, those are ways that we're being his hands and feet you know on your way to work ask God is there somebody I can bless today will you point that out that's a prayer he's going to answer every freaking time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Somebody in our life could be could be blessed. Hmm. Um, so I would I would start with just the real simple things. There are ways that we're all uniquely wired that we can step in, but loving people, listening to people, allowing space for that, those things are huge i've talked to clients and they've they've gone to work the next day they brought a coffee to somebody made that person's day now our temptation is to go okay did you tell them about christ yeah right <laughs> did you did you put a cross on uh, the, so cringy on don't the, do it on the you Starbucks put John 16 yeah <laughs> and again i i just go back to zacchaeus my guess he he was not going i am the shiz here. Um, <laughs> I just loved him. I think that's so. Good. I would. I, I just. I think it's just really simple. 
I, I think that's great. And I, so much of our conversation today, I think, has been trying to do a lot of what you said. And I hope that's coming through. We want to validate people's experience with deconstruction. We want to call the church to a better ethos of, of love and, and vulnerability in those spaces. What would you say to someone who is actively deconstructing right now to, to kind of encourage them? And maybe that's a good place for us to wrap up this whole series. Yeah. Well, I would say, again, uh, I would be validating them like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not validating them, they're feeling like their experience is not right or good, or they feel like that I'm judging them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, uh, I'm validating. I'm all just allowing space, and I'll I'll often say, I am going to be here with you, even if you're like I'm taking the atheist train. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, allowing them the dignity of choice. Yeah. and the freedom of choice. And that's another place where we get hung up. It's like, okay, we're going to create this deconstruction ministry, and here's the road back. Yeah. And it's like, that's not my job. Right. My job are to be hands and feet. I'm not the shepherd. Yeah. I'm not the shepherd. And this person has their own journey, and it's really disrespectful if I'm like, nope, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Validate, validate, I hear you. Here's the truth. Got to get back. Yeah, I feel like one of the best compliments is just to, to demonstrate, I think, the heart you're talking about of, of what people are looking for. But one of the best compliments I had from a person deconstructing is they just said, thank you out of the blue for not trying to convert me again. Yes. And yes. it hadn't really, yeah, and it, it just demonstrates the heart of someone who's in that space that they're, they're not looking for that. And if you go into those situations, those conversations with an agenda, People are, they have a radar for agendas and they pick up on it Absolutely. and they know. We all have that radar. Yep. Yes. And so, yeah, how do we create space where you, you literally are loving people without the agenda of getting them back or making them make a decision or choice? Yeah, and, and along with that is the ownership conversation. You know, the church has done such horrible things. You are right. Full stop, right? <laughs> stop. Yeah. yeah. You are absolutely right. Yep. And maybe even, and here's some of the ones that I struggle with. Yeah, yep. The tension in the room goes down. Now, guess what? We're not having an argument. That person's heart is beginning to open a little bit. And now we're actually, there's an opportunity to actually just care for that person's heart. Yeah. Without the agenda of, we're going to try to lead them back. The agenda should always be, I want to love this person like Christ loved him. Period. Mm-hmm. This person, whatever happens, that's between him and God. I'm to be hands and feet. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a seed spreader. Mm-hmm. Um, God and that person gets to choose what that yeah. happens between them. That's great. Thank you so much, Mark. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like there's so much from this conversation that I will be mulling over and thinking. And I mean, we've been studying deconstruction for months now. <laughs> and I feel like now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, gosh, i got to do it again. <laughs> like over all these things that we just talked about because I feel like there was so much um, knowledge and depth today so thank you so much oh yeah thanks for having me yeah and i think uh, hopefully for people they do hear the heart and the posture of of validation and and wanting people to move to healing whatever that might look like for them Mm -hmm. um this podcast series is not to try to bring people back but to create space for the conversation and to open Mm -hmm. the door a little bit hopefully in in a gentle way um i think maybe a a place to to wrap up is i I know Alyssa, you and i 
we work in a church um, and the process of deconstruct, it's almost like this weird forced <laughs> place to be yeah. where you're deconstructing, you're, you're working through your faith, you're journeying, you're doubting. Um, and then for me, I have to get up and preach on Sunday and I'm questioning, man, what do I believe here? Right. <laughs> um, or for you, you, you know, you, there's this pressure of, of being at a church, struggling with, with these different issues we've talked about. And then counting feeling, money <laughs> and just stressing myself out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And feeling this fear that like, man, but, and, and so I hope that through this conversation, people here, it is okay to stay in the church and go through this process. We want this place to be a welcoming space for those conversations. And, and I've, we've said it before, but we're, the church is so good at saying, I used to. I mm-hmm. used to struggle. I used to doubt. I used mm-hmm. to. And we've got to become a place that says, I am struggling. Yeah. And that comes top down. Um, but that's what we hope this conversation and, and really this series has, has provided for, for people. So Absolutely. Any last words, Alyssa? Gosh, for this whole season, it's me. <laughs> it's my. <laughs> um, it's on me. Great. Um, no, I mean, I think that I just hope that Waterstone, but as well as like the big church can just be be gray and have that be okay. I don't know if you've heard this analogy, Paul, but I mean, we should have more of like a a, a brick road <laughs> than a brick wall. I feel like I heard that somewhere before. Yeah. Um, mm. And so I just really hope that um, we can kind of help cause healing and um, it be a journey for people. Um, and obviously that we are that Paul and I and, and Mark are available to like have those conversations. Yeah. Um, one of us you'll have to pay and the other two, um, that's how I get my Starbucks. <laughs> exactly, that's fair. <laughs> Shoot. Um, but know that like, we are also open to like have those conversations. Yeah. Um, because sure. there's, I can imagine that these things have brought up maybe more questions than answers. And that is, mm. that's yeah. okay. And one thing we didn't say today, um, but deconstruction could be a very lonely place. Yeah. And so we hope these conversations help people feel less lonely. And to your point, we'd love to, to walk through that space with people. Thanks for listening to the Monday Morning Phone Call podcast. We hope that this show will spark conversation and that you'll share this episode with a friend. You can join us on Instagram at WaterstoneCC and Facebook at Waterstone Church to continue the conversation and share your thoughts and opinions with us. This podcast is hosted by me, Paul Joslin, and Alyssa Frisbee. Today's show was edited and mixed by Warren Kukul, produced by Emily Kloss, and the graphic was designed by Elaine Gerkink. We'll be back next season.